Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased you've been able to join us again for the program. Jesus challenged the rich about real treasure. So here's the question. What makes you valuable? What's in your treasure box? What? You don't have one. Consider what it is in your life that is most important. What or who do you put your confidence in when life gets tough? That's what's in your treasure box. Truth is, it may not always help you. Jesus warns about prizing the wrong things. Dr. Corbett is in Jeremiah chapter 17 tonight for a look at the treasures of false confidence. Father, we open up our hearts, our minds, our lives to you and we we pray that you'll speak to us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would whisper into people's hearts today. I pray, Lord, that people's spiritual ears would become open and sensitive to what you want to say. Now, Lord, guide me and help me to speak your word, your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at Jeremiah 17 and verse 11. What is it that you treasure? Like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch, so is he who gets riches but not by justice. In the midst of his days, they will leave him, and at the end, and at his end, he will be a fool. It's a a very easy verse just to pass over, and I guess I want to make this a bit of an exercise for us just to ponder this verse and meditate a little bit on this verse, just, just to think about this verse for a moment. The partridge gathers a brood that she did not hatch. Now, isn't this a fascinating thing? The partridge. There's a picture of a partridge. Now, prior to really having a look at this, the only partridge I knew was a, was a singing band. The partridge family. The partridge. Well, you remember that there was a, a bird that kind of looked like that, and I think one of the American television networks has the partridge as its symbol or something like that. But the partridge is a kind of a, a weird bird in that it will do, it's known for doing two things. One, it will, it will look for eggs that have been laid that are not being hatched. And it will gather those eggs to its own nest, roll those eggs to its own nest and, and, and try and hatch those eggs. That's one thing it'll do. The other thing it'll do is it will look for uh, eggs that have recently hatched, so where you have chicks in the nest, and it will come along and it will take the chicks out of the nest and it will bring it back to its own kind of ground nest and, and pretend to be the mother of those chicks. And it will gather these chicks. And, uh, of course, what, what happens is either the real mother finds out or the chick realises, wait a minute, you're not my mum. And leaves the nest and goes in search of its, its own nest and its own mother. Now, you see the picture here Jeremiah is giving. He's, he's actually saying, essentially taking this picture of what a partridge does and says there are some people who live their lives like this. They're gathering things that are not theirs. They're trying to pretend that something that they claim is theirs, really is theirs, when in fact it never was in the first place. Now, Jeremiah has a a very strong word, and it's not a word that I would use lightly, and I don't think Jeremiah is using it 
lightly and we're going to see that he's not the only one that used it. But really what he's saying is that a fool will gather other people's treasures. A fool will gather other people's treasures. Um, there, are, there are some people that look to money or wealth as their security. They look to gather wealth. There's nothing wrong with that. But here the prophet says that they do it unjustly. In other words, they're gathering someone else's money. They're perhaps stealing, extorting, defrauding to get that money. They're taking shortcuts to get that money. They're doing whatever it takes to get that money. That, Jeremiah says, will cause them to, the end of that verse it says, in the end they will be a fool. In the end they will be a fool. Now, Jeremiah is addressing the whole nation of Israel here. Israel had a sense that we are God's people. And we can tell we're God's people because we're blessed. Look at us. We're prospering. We have a display of wealth. We must be blessed. You ever heard that theology? I remember growing up hearing a theology called King's Kid Theology. You're a child of the king. If you're a child of the king, you should live like a king's kid. A king's kid wouldn't go around driving a Datsun 120Y. That's a disgrace to the king. You need one of those nice... Well, I actually picked a car. I'm not going to tell you. I'm embarrassed to tell you what I picked, but it was red and it started with the word Ferrari. But, and, and if you really want to honour God, you'll believe for one of those and drive one of those around because then you're really honouring the king because you're a king's kid demonstrating to the world that the king looks after his kids. Now, I guess that can sound appealing, but the problem is you end up making the wrong things your treasure with that distorted theology. It's the wrong things. Now, I'm not wanting to put anyone off who was, oh, I was going to give him a red Ferrari this morning, and I'm not talking small ones. I've got to, I, I've, over the years, people have heard me say this, and I've actually got a collection of red Ferraris about this big that people have given me. And uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm sick of it. I don't want the real thing. So anyway, right. So Israel had, no, I don't. Israel had prized the wrong things. And the question is, do we? You know, I've thought about this. What would it take? In fact, again, the thought went through my head this morning. I, I'm doing this, preaching and pastoring and teaching and writing and sharing with people. And I'm doing all this in the hope that I might reach them for Christ and show them Jesus. And I will exchange for months with someone who's insulted me, sworn at me, accused me of all kinds of stupidity and done all of these things and I'll, and I'll, I'll hang in there with them. I'll keep going with them because I want to see them come to know Jesus. And the thought occurred to me this morning, why am I doing what I'm doing now? Why am I doing what I'm doing now? And I, you know, I put it out there. You can test it. You can do whatever you want with it. But it's not because I'm getting paid to do it. The fact that I'm doing what I'm doing and I love what I'm doing and I have an ongoing sense that I want to do more for Jesus, not pull back. That's me. 
I'm doing it because I really love Jesus. He has gripped my life. He is, I've got a glimpse of him that has changed my life. And there's nothing, there's nothing that I want to exchange for him. Nothing. So if someone came along and said, Pastor, I'll give you $10,000 today if you don't preach and just stay home. I'd go, keep your money. I'm not here for you. What are you talking about? No way. I don't want to be bought. And Israel was valuing the wrong things. Now we're trying to raise money to build an extension to our building. And we need hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. And you know what? If we get it, praise God. If we don't, you know, it's just going to make it harder for what we're trying to do. That's all. But we're going to keep trying to do what we're trying to do. And my heart is to bring one more person to Christ. Because I don't know how long I've got left on earth. But if I can just bring one more person to Christ, if I can help a whole bunch of people, especially young people, be confident that the faith they're putting in Christ is for good reason, I've lived a good day. I've done something worthwhile. And that's why I think one of the most noble things anyone can do is to just to gather a, a small group of people. I think what, what's happening now out in our children's centre, the, the people who are out there teaching children are doing one of the most noble things this church does. Our home group leaders who meet every fortnight and gather with five or six people and encourage them in God's word and pray with them and share with them and listen to them. It might not sound like a lot, but it's one of the most noble things someone can do with their life, just to do that. That's why you've got your finger in Jeremiah 17. Just, just have a look at some of this. In, in Luke chapter 12, we're going to Luke chapter 12 and we're going verse 15. Luke chapter 12 verse 15, and you might as well put some kind of bookmark in Luke 12 because we're going to pull quite a bit out from there in a moment. Luke 12 15, Jesus said this, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard. Wow. Now just think about that for a moment. Be on your guard. Take care and be on your guard. This is Jesus saying, whatever I'm about to tell you, you need to know, will attack you. It will get at you. It will be subtle. It will trick you. So be on your guard. Be on your guard. Watch out for the trick of the enemy. How many young men of God have I seen derailed from following Christ because they were not on their guard? And maybe a young piece of treasure in a miniskirt came along and this young man of God begins to prize that her instead of seeking first the kingdom of God. It may be that this young person is working for McDonald's and, and, and says on the job application, I'm a Christian, I really don't want to work Sundays. And McDonald's says, but we'll give you an extra 25 cents an hour if you do. Ooh, let's see, four hours, that's a dollar. Okay, I sell my soul for a dollar, I'm in. Where do I sign up? Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring anyone under condemnation. 
I'm really not. But, I'm, but I'm, this is a, a matter of the heart. A matter of the heart. Notice what Jesus said here. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Wow. This is what Jesus said. Your life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So, the world says it does. Uh, Kim, uh, over the offering this morning, cited the Forbes top 500 wealthiest people in America list. Forbes thinks the value of your life consists in what you have. She mentioned Mr. David Green, the CEO of Hobby Lobby, a, a store that has some 20,000 employees. His personal wealth is over $2 billion. And here's a man who says, I won't open on Sundays because I want to honour Christ. I want to give all of my employees an opportunity to spend time with their families and go to church. Hmm. The moment he did that, his sales went up 6%. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, Jesus challenged the rich about real treasure. Real treasure. I don't know what you you treasure. I don't know what you want out of life. For some people, it's as pathetic as an iPad. You know, my kids, I remember, um, uh, no, um, I know a family who has children. (laughs) And they had... They happen to have three daughters, and, and, one just, and one of their daughters had to have, had to have a certain brand of track pants. Had to. I said, why? Oh, Dad, if you have to ask, you obviously don't understand. <laughs> Which is true, because I really don't understand. But had to have it. Anyway, so we bought this very expensive pair of track pants, and within a couple of weeks, she'd ripped a hole in them anyway. So it's... Oh, no, no mercy. No mercy. It's just, it's just no big deal, really. And that was the point I was trying to make. It's no big deal. I really got to have an iPad. So here's the question. What makes you valuable? What makes you valuable? Well, you know, the, the, what, what, a, what a joke. The, the, the Forbes top 500 list. What makes one person worth more than a whole bunch of 499 other people? Is it the number of zeros on their bank statement? What is it that gives a person value? Now, there are people who do not feel as if they have any value. And I've got great news for you today. You don't have to be like a partridge. You don't have to long for other people's stuff or things. You don't have to drive the right car. You don't have to wear the right brands. You don't have to be listening to the right brand of MP3 player. You don't have to. None of that stuff is what makes you a valuable person. None of it. You are valuable for a completely different reason. And you can live your life like a partridge. Grabbing stuff that's not really yours. You can live your life accumulating wealth and accumulating things. and You can live your life like that. 
But what's the point? That's not what makes your life valuable and it shouldn't be what gives your life significance. What makes you valuable and gives you significance? I want to tell you the story of a man by the name of George. George was a very, very gifted singer, like amazingly gifted singer. From a young age, from the age of 12, he was, he was, his reputation was outstanding as a singer. By the time he hit mid-teens, it was just, he, he was being courted by all these record labels and, and so on. And then by the time he was about 20, I think he was signed by NBC or something like that. It was this huge um, media empire that, that, that signed him up. Or he was about to. In fact, he had the contract there. And yet the other side of this is that George had been raised in a Christian home, had been taken along to church every Sunday, but the lure of success, the lure of the spotlight, the lure of the dollar had distracted him and he had not been on his guard. And he found himself drifting away from Christ, drifting away from church and into a life that caused his mother heartache. One night she was so, so upset about what she was seeing in her son, George, that she wrote down late, one night, as tears coming down her eyes, she wrote down a poem just from her heart and she left it on the family piano and for some reason uh, she wanted George to see the poem that she'd, she'd written. The story continues like this. This poem, written in 1922, was left on a piano in the Shea home by Bev Shea, who wanted her son to find it and change the course of his life. The words, I'd rather have Jesus, moved George Beverly Shea so much and spoke to him about his own aims and ambitions in life. He sat down at the piano and began singing them with a tune that seemed to fit the word. George's mum heard him singing it and asked him to sing it at church. The next day, George's life direction did change. He was offered a popular music career with NBC, but he chose instead to become the singer to the evangelist, Billy Graham, and sang this song all around the world. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold i'd rather have jesus than houses or lands i'd rather be led by his nail pierced hand than to be a king of a vast domain or to be held in sin's dread sway i'd rather have jesus than anything this world affords today i'd rather have jesus than men's applause i'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. He's fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey from out of the comb. He's all my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. Wow. I want that to be my prayer. Jesus said this. 
as we think of Jeremiah condemning Israel for making the wrong things their treasure. We're reminded that Jesus said this, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul or forfeits himself? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? We read in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some men have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. See, the New Testament doesn't hide from this. That the lure of wealth, the lure of false treasure, putting your confidence in a false treasure can be spiritually detrimental to you. You can make money your God. And in fact, time has escaped. But in Luke 12, Jesus tells the story of a man who was doing well and said, I have many crops. I will put them in a barn. And we read in Luke 12 from verses 13 down to verse 31. I encourage you to read it later. The man says this, soul. Soul. He addresses himself as soul. It sounds religious. This man prayed to himself, Soul, I have much. I will eat, drink and be merry. I will just kick back, soul. And Jesus says this, You fool. That's what Jeremiah said of the person who puts their confidence in the wrong treasure. You fool, this night your soul is required of you. Of course, you can make money or God by pining that you don't have enough. You can make money or God by holding on to it for your own glory. You can make money or God by always being critical of whenever there's a need and criticising people for not being good with their money and always having to ask others for it. But let's not live like partridges, gathering stuff that's not really going to last. That's what Jeremiah says. Come back with me to the text. We're in Jeremiah 17, 11. Like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch, so is he who gets riches, but not by justice. In the midst of his days, they will leave him. And at the end, and at his end, he will be a fool. How should the Christian treat money and wealth in light of what the scripture warns, that it can be hazardous to our spiritual well-being? John Wesley said, earn as much as you can. Give as much as you can. Save as much. As you can, and that's a great way to treat money. So here's the question Are you rich toward God? That's the question Jesus posed. Be rich toward God. I'm I'm reminded of the rich man who died and wanted to impress God. So on his way to heaven, before he left earth, he 
piled up some of his gold in duffel bags and stood at the pearly gates with some of his gold. There he is with ingots of gold. And Peter says, why did you bring paving stones to heaven? (laughs) Heaven is paved with gold. In other words, the real treasure is where God is. Let's pray. Father, we, we may become disheartened, discouraged that we don't keep up. We don't own a home. We don't own a right, the right kind of car. We don't, have, don't wear the trendiest clothes. We don't have the right gadgets. And we may feel inferior. We may feel of less value because we don't have the material circumstances that we might prefer. But Father, if we have Jesus, we have more than enough. And I pray, Lord, for us that we would live with a sense of contentment, that we would live with a sense of we're here not to be ruled by money, but we're here to use money for your glory. I pray, Lord, that none of us would be like the partridge, but, Father, we would be like the one who knows how to glorify you with our lives, with our possessions, with our talent and with our time. Now, Lord, if there are those listening to me right now and they've never made Jesus Christ the saviour of their soul, if your soul was required of you right now and you were to stand before God and God was to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? You can't buy your way in. You can't earn your way in. There's nothing you can do that can win favour with God. What are you going to say? Unless you have had Jesus Christ graciously forgive you of your sin, you have absolutely no merit to enter into heaven. Will you be forgiven of your sin right now? Will you come to Jesus, acknowledge him? Will you come to Jesus now and say, Lord, I have sinned. I need you to forgive me. I want you to be saviour of my soul. If that's the desire of your heart, then I want to lead you in a prayer that sounds something like this. Lord Jesus, I've messed up my life. My life is not what it should be. I now need you to come in and forgive me and cleanse me and give me a second chance. And Father, for strained marriages in this place right now, where the wrong things have been treasured, I pray, Lord, for marriages, every marriage represented here, to treasure the right things, to make Christ the treasure of their marriage. Father, I pray for every young person here who has not been on guard and has been distracted by the wiles of covetousness. That I pray, Lord, right now, for every young person to have Jesus as their treasure. And now, Lord, I pray for us as a church that we will treasure Jesus. Amen. It's easy to treasure the wrong things, to have confidence in the size of our bank account or our employment success, among other things. These are treasures of false confidence and only fools seek after them. Tough words, but sound warnings from the prophet Jeremiah. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Jeremiah Part 44, The Treasures of False Confidence, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. 
Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to having you join us at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.